Good to see everybody. My very good friends from Slidell, Louisiana are on the front row here. Pastors of New Beginnings Church, New Beginning, New Beginning Church in Slidell, Louisiana. Um, it's one of my greatest joys is to go over there from time to time and share. Uh, it's just like, it's like heaven for me because it's sponge. It's just, everybody's just so on the same page and they're just so excited and so full of life and just very encouraging. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've been, we've been doing this since 2000. The first time was 2000, so like 13 years, like, like maybe once a year, twice a year. It's awesome. I love it. Good to see everybody. I think I know exactly what I'm supposed to say today. Sometimes I don't know. <laughs> Like last, like last Sunday, you guys picked the right one. I said, this or this? And that, that, God really helped us last Sunday. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for showing us yourself. It's your heart to reveal yourself to us. It's your heart to help us see you plainly. He who sees Jesus has seen the Father. Jesus is the express image of his person. Lord, we just ask now by the Holy Spirit that you would open our eyes to heavenly realities. Things not of man or of the world or of religion. I pray there would be a peace in each one of us this morning, no matter what's going on in our lives, a peace to receive the Spirit's revelation. Lord, we come knowing our need of you. We come knowing that we esteem the words of your mouth more than our necessary food. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You are our life. We live by you. And we thank you, Father, that you love us so much. You call us beloved. We can lay our head on your chest. Like John. No matter what's going on in our lives. We can lay our head on your chest. In peace. Only you can say peace. Be still to our storm. Only you. And we look only to you. This is what brings joy to your heart. That we look only to you. Thank you, Father. Our spirit cries, Abba. Papa. Papa. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm sure we've all heard that scripture 
in Philippians that says... That we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And I think a lot of people hear that phrase, fear and trembling. And I I would say that um, 90%, I would say 90% of the... Of the of believers that I've that I've talked to, have said that that is a reference to uh, fear of judgment or fear of uh, displeasing God. Uh, fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in us, both to will and to do according to His good pleasure. Where is that verse? Philippians. I'm sorry, I was like, okay, there it is. Okay, 2.12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, the word in the Greek there, fear and and trembling is the exact same Greek word used in the Corinthian letter. Let's look at the Corinthian letter in 1 Corinthians. Oh, is it 2 Corinthians? No, first, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and Paul says in verse 1, And when I came to you, brothers, this is the same Paul that was, wrote the letter to the Philippians, and now writing to the Corinthians, and he says, When I came to you, brothers, brothers, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. That also can be translated the mystery of God. For the mystery of God is Christ. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Nothing else. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Same Greek word. What Paul is saying here in the Corinthian letter is that I did not come with self-confidence. I did not come with um, confidence in the wisdom of men or in uh, in my ability to speak uh, as as an orator. I didn't come. In fact, some people said, you know, Paul's letters are weighty and heavy and awesome, awesome letters. But when he comes... And speaks to us. His presence is he's kind of he comes across kind of weak. He doesn't come across flashy. He doesn't come across altogether, you know, like some flashy speaker, some some uh, motivational speaker that's got it all together in perfect suit and and slick. He comes across kind of weak. I mean, that's Paul. You see, 
Because Paul was not coming to impress people with his speech, his speaking, his wisdom, his, his dress or whatever. But in the power of the Holy Spirit because of the message he brought. Because of the word of Christ. Because of the word of forgiveness. Because of the word of grace. Because of the word of grace that would be confirmed with signs and wonders and the power of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of those who hear. So he here is saying in Corinthians that I did not come in wisdom and and great ability to speak, but I came in fear and trembling. And the Greek word there is with no confidence in my flesh, with no confidence in myself, in the flesh. But trusting in the Holy Spirit to speak through me. The revelation of Christ, the mystery of God, the testimony of God, which is Christ. So now when we go back to the Philippian letter and we read that again. Paul says to the Philippians, work out, not work for, not work for it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling or with no confidence in your flesh. With no confidence in yourself to do this. For it is God, not you. Who is at work? See? That's what that means. Work out your salvation, which you already have. You have salvation. And the word salvation, saints, means to be moved. The the essence of the word salvation means to be rescued or moved from one place and brought to another place. And the, the implication of that word is that the other place you're being brought to is awesome compared to where you came from. That's the essence of the meaning of salvation. And that's why a lot of people think salvation is all about when you die and go to heaven. But when you see the true gospel that we've already been translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. We've already been saved. We've already been transferred, rescued from this place of this world that lies in wickedness in the flesh. We've been moved from this realm into another realm now. The kingdom has come within us now. Then you know what salvation is. And that's why Paul could say work out this salvation you have inside of you. Let it manifest. And how? With no confidence in myself to do it. For it is God who is at work, not me. For it is God who is at work. And what is God doing? He's doing two things that are awesome. He's not only making us, it doesn't really make us, he's not, he's not really causing us to do the right thing. He's working in us to will it and to do it. Awesome. I mean, God, only God can work mysteriously inside a man and cause a man to will and to do. See, work out this salvation, this awesome work of Christ where you have been and I have been transferred and rescued from this world into his world. We now live in the kingdom of the beloved son, a kingdom within us. Paul Paul said the kingdom of heaven is within us in the spirit, righteousness and peace and joy. What does that mean? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, Jesus said, I, Paul says, he gives us his righteousness, the gift of righteousness. We have his righteousness. And it's, it's so powerful to see that he actually lived as a man, perfectly righteous before God, without sin. See, it's, it's, this is so cool. God not only gives you his righteousness, and gives me his righteousness. He gives you the righteousness of a man. You see, Jesus, his own righteousness as a man under law, born of a woman under law, lived on earth as a man, son of man and son of God, 
as a man, he lived righteous without sin. God transfers the righteousness of a man to you. As if you never sinned and never will sin because the new creation cannot sin. If the new creation could sin, then we'd have to have another savior, another redemption. John says the seed of God abides within you as a new creation and you cannot sin. The real you. It's awesome. God did not just forgive us and put us back where Adam and Eve were. If he did that, then with the next sin we committed, we'd be back where Adam and Eve was as a, in the fall. What he did was so awesome that he created a new creation in Christ Jesus. We've actually been made a partaker of the divine nature. The new man is one with Christ. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit, the scripture says. We are as he is, so are we in the world, the scripture says. And yes, we still struggle with sin because we are in these bodies. The apostles had the revelation that the power of sin had been quarantined in these member, the members of our body. This fleshly body, this creation which cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit's alive because of righteousness. The body is decaying every day, but the inward man is being renewed every day because of the spirit of God. The life that is within you. His life is actually inside of you today. Today. This morning. His life is actually inside of you now. His life. You know, just the revelation and the remembrance of this revelation. Remember the two wings of the great eagle. Revelation and remembrance. The two wings of the great eagle. The great eagle being the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sent to reveal and to remind. Because no matter what's been revealed to you, if you forget it, it's no good. No matter what's been revealed to you, if you forget it, it's, there's no, it's, it's, it's vain. If you keep in mind, Paul says... Peter says, I stir your minds up by way of remembrance. And the one thing Jesus left us to do was to eat the bread and drink the wine and remembrance. Revelation and remembrance. So the revelation of Christ being inside of you and you remembering that truth. Just that revelation and that remembrance of him being inside of you, his life being inside of you, will give you confidence to know. He is able to live through you. You see that? You see that? Just the awareness. Remember we say, you know, in real estate, it's location, location, location. In spiritual matters, it's awareness, awareness, awareness. Just the awareness that he is actually inside of me. Saints, I really believe this one truth would change the church. Just that one truth would change the church. It would change how people preach, how they teach. Christ is inside of you. As he is, so are you in this world, John says. So when we are aware that he's inside of us, there is a, it's an easy step from that awareness to confidence that he is able to live his own life through me. Isn't that awesome? That is so awesome. I mean, you can really rest when you just, just, just bask in the reality that his life is within you. 
Every day, every hour, every second, 24-7, the life is inside of me. My gosh, and that life is the life that raised him from the dead. The power of God is inside of you. Just, the re- just, just dwelling on that, just meditating on that, just resting in that, just enjoying that. And, and you'll find this, 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 the God of the universe who is inside of us working in us in ways we cannot explain both to will and to do according to his good pleasure and manifesting the salvation that is inside of you. It's awesome. With no confidence in ourselves. Remember, we talked about how Jacob and Esau, Esau was a picture of the flesh, first the flesh, first the natural, then the spiritual. Esau was born first, first the natural. Jacob is a picture of the spiritual man, the new creation. They were twins. They were identical twins. You know, it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's like, you know, my evil twin kind of joke. That's my evil twin that did that. That's what that was. God is picturing the new creation that would come. Through Christ, Esau first, Jacob holding his heel, the natural, the spiritual, the natural first, the spiritual second, the spiritual would overcome the natural, Jacob, the new creation would overcome the flesh. We talked about that. We talked about how the the, the big revelation that Jacob needs to get, that you and I need to get as a new creation is that God is in this place and I knew it not. This is none other than the gate of heaven. This is the house of God, Jacob says. See, God didn't start with Jacob with laws and rules and commandments to keep. He started with Jacob, the new creation, with a revelation of who he is and who God is and what he has. This is none other than the gate of heaven. This is the house of God. Bethel, house of God. Oh, my God. Jacob's ladder. An open heaven. That's what you and I have. My God, that's what you and I have. We have that within us. Angels trafficking. You are in another realm in the spirit. You have access as angels came to minister to him. They will come and minister to you. The angels of God minister to the son of God. Those same angels, the scripture says in Hebrews, are ministers to the heirs of salvation. That's you. Flaming fires of God, the scripture says, of the angels who have come to minister to you. Because you have access to the heavenlies. It was an angel that came and opened that prison door and told Peter, make haste, come quickly. Angels ministering to you. The power of God. The power of God. Within us, if we could just see within us, within us, within us, within us, within us. It's a small step to have the confidence that he can live his own life through us. Remember we said a while back how the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, God put those, thing, those two trees in the garden as a picture of, of, of the whole issue in the very beginning. I love the way God does things in the beginning. Genesis is such an awesome book because in Genesis are the seeds of everything, the seeds. That's why Jacob's in Genesis, Abraham, faith, Isaac offered up. Two trees in the garden, Noah, the whole thing about the flood, the judgment of God. I mean, it's all the seeds in Genesis. Genesis is so rich with seeds that Christ is on every page. But it's in seed form. And the revelation of Christ opens up Genesis, the beginning. Genesis meaning the beginning. It's awesome. It's a huge seed. Genesis is a huge seed that once opened up through the revelation of Christ is like it feeds you feeds you Christ 
and causes you to grow in faith. The revelation of Christ. Genesis is rich. But we were talking about how I just lost my thought. Jacob. Yeah. I had a, I had a thought that just... Whoosh. Yes, I know. Remember. Well, anyway, I was going to say, I'll say this. Maybe this will come back to me. Salvation, okay, within us. God within us. Remember this, saints. God is into manifesting the invisible. He's into manifesting the invisible. The scripture says that all that has been created, Romans chapter 1 says, the invisible things of God, the invisible things of God are clearly seen and understood by the things that have been made. The invisible things of God are clearly seen and understood by the things that have been created. Everything that God does, it's his heart to bring that which is invisible to the visible. That's why Jesus said, let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven because it's your Father who is doing the works through you and then they can see God through you. They want, God wants people to see him, see him in his body, in his people, in his saints, in his, in his sons and daughters. It's a desire of God to, for us not to be like a lamp covered with a bushel. Not to have this awesome revelation and not let it shine forth. But a bushel removed so that the light can shine. A city set on a hill that many may see. A lighthouse that will warn people of the rocks. The rocks of religion. The rocks of the flesh. The rocks of this world. The rocks that seek to destroy men's lives because they don't know God. A lighthouse. He wants to take the invisible and make it visible. Oh, just came back. Jacob, Jacob, the picture of the, of the new creation. We talked about how he saw that, you know, that, that revelation of the house of God and the, the gate of heaven. But also in, the, in Jacob's life, which is a picture, which is part of, for us as new creations, also in Jacob's life, he had a, a, a wrestling match with the angel of God which many say was kind of a, possibly a picture of Christ himself. This was just before he crossed over to see Esau, his brother, his twin brother, who he was, who he was afraid of. Remember, he was afraid of Esau. He sent gifts ahead. And sometimes we're afraid of our flesh. We're afraid of the flesh. We're afraid of, you know, sometimes we're afraid, more afraid of what we're capable of doing than of any other thing in the world. You know, we're not afraid of a firing squad. We're not afraid of, you know, being tortured for Christ. We're not afraid of, afraid of, you know, losing our job for Jesus. We're not afraid of, you know, whatever it is, you know, we're going to be bold and, uh, you know, like that guy that says, you know, bless God, I'm going to pray over my food in Denny's. I don't care what they think about me. 
But sometimes we are more afraid of ourselves because we know what we're capable of in the flesh. Paul, Paul was the same way. He said, look, the very good I want to do, I don't do sometimes. And, and the very thing I hate, I end up doing. And he said, no good thing dwells in my flesh. Who shall deliver me from this? So in the, in the flesh, we all have the same temptations, the same struggle. We all have the flesh. I remember people used to tell me, preaching this grace message, the, the revelation of Christ. My first time I spoke, it was in 1985 when I couldn't even articulate what was happening inside of me. It was like it was in Baton Rouge. I spoke at uh, a church in Baton Rouge and, and um, I was trying to communicate what was exploding inside of me. I had a, I've been a believer since 76. So this was like 10 years, about 10 years later after burnout, that God began to show me these things. And I was like trying to explain it. And the whole, the whole church was like this going. Okay, what? Okay, what is the mystery? What? Okay. Wow, this is good, but I don't know what he's saying. You know, it was, it was the spirit of God that was revealing. And I had not been able to articulate anything yet. I was just like, oh, my God, this is awesome. It's the mystery of Christ. Don't you understand? There was a cross behind me on the, on the wall. And I was like, don't you see? It's, I was like, ah. I still have that cassette tape, too. It's like. Yeah. Yeah, go back. And now, now I know what I was trying to say. But um, what was I? Okay. So Jacob, with Jacob, oh yeah, okay, he was, had this wrestling match, okay. This is so cool. The new creation must learn this. Remember, his name was changed after this. He learned who he was. Jacob, the angel, he was, he was in his own strength wrestling. Wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. The angel touched his thigh. The strongest part on a man. You see football players who can launch out and offensive linemen, strong thighs, powerful. Strongest part on a man. It's where you get the speed, strength. The angel touched him at the strongest part on a man. From that day forward, Jacob walked with a limp, leaning on his cane. Coming to church this morning, I was praying about, Lord, what do you want me to say? Father, should I, should I do questions and answers? And then I said to myself, you know, Lord, I don't want to just do questions and answers because I don't know what to say. I want to depend on you to speak because that's what I do. I sometimes default to questions and answers because I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And God just really showed me. The Father just didn't speak to me as I was driving over here to say this. And you know what happened on the way to church? What really just confirmed it? I'm stopped at the red light just before you go under I-4 from 434 heading to Grace Church. We stopped at the red light and this lady gets out of the, a red truck two cars ahead of me and starts running toward the intersection. I'm going, what the heck? She picks up something that was in the middle of the road. It was a cane. It was a walking cane. 
And I was just thinking about all this. She runs back in her truck and takes, like, a, like an older person, dropped their cane. I don't know if it was hers and she came back around to get it. or Not hers because she was, like, running. She was young. But maybe her grandfather's, you know, I don't know. Or maybe she just saw it and she said that my grandfather could use that. I don't know. But it was so cool because I was thinking about that, all this. And she put it in her truck and took off. And here I am driving to Grace Church and confirming the cane. Jacob, Jacob leaning on. And I, said, I, was, I just said out loud in the car. And Jacob leaned on his staff, blessing the sons of Jacob, the sons of Israel. God, this is a message this morning for us. He wants us to, not with our own confidence, to think we can work out our salvation or we can manifest God. For it is God who is at work in us. So Jacob walked with a limp the rest of his days. See, God takes no pleasure in the strength of a man. Scripture says he takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. Speaking of the strength of man. He takes no pleasure in a man who can pull himself up by his bootstraps and just do it. God's not really interested into that. Esau was kind of like that. He was the hunter. He was the guy who could do it. He was the tough guy. Jacob was kind of a mama's boy. You know, Jacob and, and Rachel... To the outside, Jacob was kind of soft. Esau was the tough outdoorsman, the hunter. We see the flesh. Not that God wants you to be effeminate. No, he wants you to be strong. He wants you to be like a warrior, like David. But how was David? David was no confidence in himself, but he was a warrior through God. He said, I, I, lay, on, I lay on your lap, Father, as a child. Without you, I can do nothing. See? There's a difference between, between being weak as a person and weak in the flesh, but strong in God. You see? The scripture says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. How is a person strong in the Lord? Because he knows he can do nothing himself. See? The Son of God said, apart from the Father, I can do nothing. That's why we can boast in our weakness. Paul says, I boast in my weakness. I boast in my need of God. I boast in my infirmities. I boast in my trials. I boast in all these things that are happening to me that are, that are out of my control, that I can't control. I boast in this life of chaos because without God, I can do nothing. That's what God loves. He loves that. I know we've said this before. Well, let me just wrap that up real quick. Jacob Realized who he was in that encounter. He, he realized he was, that's a picture of us stop fighting with God. And stop trying to be God. Stop trying to manifest God. And realize that only God can be God. And only God can manifest himself through us. When we're in a posture of total dependency on him, when we're walking with the limp, when we're leaning on our staff, which is a picture of Christ. The staff is a picture of Christ. You know, Paul wrote his letters and the beginning of his letters, like Ephesians, Colossians and others, he would talk about the invisible work of Christ. Invisible because we weren't there when it happened and also because what it, the spiritual Implications of what Jesus did in his death and resurrection. So he spoke about this incredible mystery of Christ in his death and resurrection. And then he would bring it in his letters to how we, through faith, can enter into this work 
by the gift of the Holy Spirit and this awesome inheritance and the revelation of Christ within us and Christ living himself with us. And then he would end his letters with talking about practical behavior issues like, you know, do this, do this, you know, and a believer should do this, walk, you know, walk like this, walk in the spirit, put on the deeds of the new man. And he would, he would describe what that behavior looked like. What religion gets wrong is they take the end of his letter when Paul is simply saying, now this is what the life looks like. This is what the life looks like. When you read the letters of Paul and you read things that sound legalistic, but when he says, you know, don't steal, don't grumble, that's not Paul giving you a new law to not steal and not grumble. He's simply saying, this is what the life looks like. The life doesn't steal. The life of Christ is love. Love doesn't steal. The life of Christ doesn't grumble. The life of Christ is thankful. This is what the life looks like. You can't, religion takes what Paul described as what the life looks like. Religion takes that and makes it commandments. Religion makes some commandments and law so that if you don't act like that, then God's not happy. Or you're out of fellowship with God because you're not walking like God wants you to walk. These are his commandments not to steal, not to grumble, not to lie, not to all these things. No! That's not the message of the apostles. The apostle says, this is what the life looks like. And if you are not manifesting this life, Peter said, you have forgotten the invisible reality that you were once purged from all your sin. Don't try to take the, the words of Paul or Peter or John that describe what this life looks like and make them commandments to keep. But when we find ourselves not manifesting the glory of God, go back and remember... That we were once purged from all our sins. All flesh comes, the power of sin comes from a guilty conscience. Condemnation is the root of all sin, really. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So when we believe that we're not guilty, we're not condemned, when we believe that we're righteous as He is righteous, there's a new power, new dynamic that works within us. God is at work both in us, both to will and to do, because we're resting in the Christ and His work. It's awesome. It's, it's, it's counterintuitive. It's not like men think. It's not like the natural man thinks. It's foolishness to the natural mind. It's counterintuitive. But it's God's way. Who told you you were naked? That's not my way to focus on your nakedness, Adam. I want you to focus on me. Look at me, Adam. And that, saints, is what the tree of life is all about. Remember we said this a while back, how the tree of life, think about it as a life support system and you're in the hospital and you're, you, know, you can't live without the oxygen coming in you. So you have a, a heart attack and you're in the hospital and they're going to do heart surgery and, and they've, they've got, got you on the machines and stuff to keep you alive. You're on life support. That's how the tree of life is. Better, of course, but that's, that's the thought. You and I must get to the place of revelation, not only that he is within me, but that it's like life support. I can't live without him. I can't do anything without him. That's how the son lived. He says, as I live by the father, so shall you too live by me. He lived that way by the father. He lived with a sense of, you know, every breath is from him. I only do that which I see my father do. I only speak what I hear my father speak. 
The words I speak are not my words, but the words of my Father who dwells within me. The works that I do are not my works, Jesus said, but the works of my Father who dwells within me. He says, as I live by my Father, you too shall live by me. This is the, the mystery of Christ living through us. See, that's what that word means in, in Ephesians and Colossians. Paul says, for the, a lot of people get this wrong. The mystery of, the mystery of, of, uh, of Christ is not Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery of Christ is not Christ in you. If, if the mystery of Christ, the mystery that was hid from all ages before the world began, is Christ in you or Christ in me, then we would be the center of the mystery of, of, of everything. And we're not. The mystery of Christ is not Christ in you. That's not what Paul wrote. He wrote this. He wrote, the riches of the glory of the mystery of Christ is now that Christ is inside of you. You see it? What is the mystery of Christ? What is the mystery of God? It is Christ himself, hidden in the Father, not revealed to the sons of men until he came. The Word made flesh. The the prophets didn't understand this. God would come to us. God is in a man. God himself would walk among us. You mean our Messiah is going to be the Jehovah God of Abraham? The I am is going to walk among us? That was hidden. No one knew. In fact, that's why they called it blasphemy. That's the secret that was hidden in God. That he himself would come in the person of his son, God, Emmanuel, God with us. To see him was to see God. That was the secret that was hidden in him, that he had a son. The wheel within the wheel, the word within all the words of God, made flesh and walked among us and tabernacled among us, full of grace and glory, God himself with us. Awesome! And that son who was hidden in the Father came that he might take us back with him. For now your life is hidden with Christ inside of God. For the Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father, and now the Son is in you, and you are in the Son. One! That's it! That's the riches! That's the riches of the glory of the mystery of Christ. So Christ in you is not the mystery, but it's the riches of the glory of the mystery, which is Christ himself. So, I mean, the mystery of Christ himself. But the riches, the wealth, is that he himself is inside of you. He who, who, he who was once only in God is now inside of you. And you who were alienated from him, and I who was alienated from him, am now with the Son in sight of God. I walk the earth one as Jesus walked with the Father. Even as he is, so are we now in this world. He's done it. Just the awareness of this will bring the confidence to let him live his own life through us. For now, this great salvation, this great rescue, shall be worked out and manifested with fear and trembling or with no confidence in ourselves. For we lean on a staff 
with all confidence in him, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do, according to his good pleasure. We don't take the words of Paul when he just describes this life and makes, make them commandments to keep. We take the words of Paul as encouragement that this is who I really am. Put on the deeds of the new man because that's who you are. Rest. Stand still and see the salvation of God. For no flesh will glory in his presence. His way brings all glory to the Son and to the Father through the Spirit. Father, thank you so much for helping us see this. Oh, what an awesome way to live. What a rest. Oh, Father, thank you so much. Thank you for showing me the cane. Thank you for showing me what to say this day for all of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And now may the love of God and the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you forever, forever, forever. Amen.